Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Got something for you here today that I feel like God gave me. I'm real excited about it, uh, very passionate about it. And uh, I hope, I hope, like I said, that we all leave here different than we walked in, in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 21. 1 through 17, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, I kind of chuckled a little bit when I read that just now, just because I want to tell you that I was watching a documentary with my little girl Zoe a couple of days ago, and uh, she, as we're, it was about Jesus. It was about the, the Holy Week, essentially. And they were quoting this scripture on the screen. They wrote the scripture up there. And Zoe had just got done saying to me, she's like, Daddy, I love the Bible. I was like, baby, I know you do. I think that's super sweet about you. And so we're watching the show, and she's just asking questions about everything. Well, all of a sudden, they put the scripture up there that I just read. It says that Jesus told them to go find an... And it's... Mm, 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 you know the other word for donkey? Mm-mm-mm. And she sees it written up on the screen, and she went, Daddy, I thought that was the Bible. I was like, darling, that is, that's, another, that's an old word for donkey. Don't worry, we're okay. She thought she, we were doing something wrong. So anyways, I have no idea why I'm telling you that. Other than to say that, he says to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Okay, so he tells them to go get this donkey, bring it. It says, if anyone says anything to you, just say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Okay, now it's quoting the Old Testament. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Someone say the whole city. This is a city that at this time, as I'll explain to you in just a few minutes, has about 3 million people in it, about 2 million more people than normal because of Passover weekend. It says the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were angry. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read 
From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. I got a message for you today on Palm Sunday. My message is called The Game of Thrones. Father, thank you so much for your presence. I ask in Jesus' name that you would encourage every heart. Uh, allow there to be an atmosphere of honor in this place for what you have done for us. Lord, allow us to get a revelation. These are not old stories and fables. Lord, that we're reading the history of what happened to the Son of God incarnate that came to earth and walked this path intentionally for us, Lord. Let it come alive in our hearts as we read it today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So Holy Week is a powerful week. Uh, you know, kind of kicking it off today, this Palm Sunday. I think it's interesting, too, that tonight, you know, on Palm Sunday, of all the times to premiere a TV show, that this is like the final season of Game of Thrones, which, if you don't know what that is, it's the most expensive television show that's ever been produced one of the most watched shows I guess that has ever been on and this is like the final season everyone's talking about this day and, it, and what is it the, the, the concept of the show is people in a kind of a medieval culture that are willing to manipulate everything to gain control of everything they're willing to manipulate anything and everything to gain control of everything. And in this atmosphere and in this world uh, called Game of Thrones, you choose a king and you try to elevate that king. And if your king wins, then you win. But if you choose the wrong king, you lose everything. If you choose the wrong king, you die. And you know what's interesting and why I've called my message today the Game of Thrones is because this is exactly what was going on in the time where Jesus entered into Jerusalem and did everything that we just read in Matthew chapter 21. It's really important that as we read our Bibles, we get some sense of, of the timing of things and, that, and the culture and the way things felt at that time. If we're going to get the true meaning out of it, we have to know what's going on. And here at this particular time where Jesus chooses to come in the, the gates of Jerusalem during Passover week, well, if you don't even know what Passover week is, how are you going to know the significance of what Jesus is doing? If you don't know that Rome, who is the most powerful empire in the world, is ruling over Jerusalem and Israel at this time and is occupying them and has got governors and people that are over the city, and, and guards that are in the streets, but they're still allowing Jerusalem to continue their religious practices and their, the massive temple in the middle of the city that was one of the wonders of the world. It's like 13 football fields long. It, it literally was one of the wonders of the world. People thought this thing would never be destroyed. It's like going to be eternal, everlasting. Uh, this is like the center of the city, and Rome has got guards that have kind of infiltrated the temple and they're letting the priest run things. And there's this whole, and Jesus goes and confronts it. All of these things. And, and Passover, what is Passover? Jerusalem normally had about a million people. And as I said, during Passover week, Passover, if you take everything about like we know about Christmas, like in our culture, the way we celebrate Christmas. And we get so excited about Christmas. And 
uh, the, the, the feeling that we have. Anybody here, anyone here a late shopper and like two days before Christmas, you haven't bought anyone anything. And you're like running to the mall and you got to make sure that you got the right outfit, you got the right uh, gift and you want to feel good about everything. You got, you know, Christmas music playing in your car if you're my wife and you got all these different uh, things that have everywhere that you go. There's decorations. And, well, this is, this is like, I guess this would be a, a way for me to at least try to describe what Passover is for, for Jews. It is just enormous. They have various feasts. This is one of the biggest ones. Why? Passover is a commemoration and celebration. Remember in the Old Testament when, when the Jews were slaves to Egypt and God sent Moses and told Pharaoh, let my people go. He would not let... Didn't you guys ever see Prince of Egypt? My gosh, come on, work with me here. Uh, and he, he, says, let, he says, let my people go. And one of, the, one of the plagues, because he wouldn't let them go, is that all the firstborn kids in Egypt were going to die. But God gives mercy on his children and says, if you smear the blood of a lamb over your doorpost, then when the angel comes by to take every firstborn, he'll pass by your house. He'll pass over your house. And so isn't it amazing that Jesus chooses Passover? What is Passover? It's about an innocent lamb's blood being shed for people that when that blood is over the doorpost of our hearts and our lives, God is going to show mercy to that person. This is Jesus coming into Jerusalem during Passover week, millions of people all over the place. Can I also help set the, the, the tone a little bit to say that one week ago before this happens, Jesus raises a guy named Lazarus from the dead. Okay, so... All of, the, all of the religious leaders that hated Jesus, for years they hated him. They saw him doing miracles. They heard him making references to the fact that he might be the son of God. And they're like, is this really happening? Is this guy trying to take our job from us? People are supposed to be respecting us, not following this guy. But, oh, when Lazarus is raised, it just goes to another level. Now the dead are coming. I'm talking about a guy who had been dead for days. He comes alive, and some theologians say that 20 you know, 10, 20,000 people were following him around after he left there. So they had a secret meeting after Jesus raised Lazarus. The, 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 the chief priest came together and had a say. He said, what are we going to do? And one of the guys piped up and said, we're going to have to kill him. We've got to kill him. And, and I love what he said, too. It's so amazing. This guy goes, better one man die than an entire nation. Isn't it interesting? He was talking about murdering Jesus, but he didn't realize when he said better one man die than an entire nation that that actually was God's plan too from a different perspective. God was saying better one man die. Hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. You're saying you're going to murder my son, but I'm telling you, you're just helping me fulfill my plan for all of the world. Anyways, better one man die than all the people die. So it's, it's amazing. So it started just the, the tension is just huge. Everything is about to explode politically. Everything in this culture. Ju Jesus chooses this moment, this day we're celebrating today. And you go, well, I don't get it. What's so you know, important about a donkey? Who has ever watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Come on, don't lie. Raise your hand. Tell me if you're ready. What comes last? Who comes last? Santa Claus. Okay, so we know. Raise your hand if you're from New York. Okay, so you guys know about this better than anybody. 
Okay, so, so Santa Claus comes last. We know just from American, you know, some of our goofy culture things that we have, and people turn on the parade, and what do you wait for? You wait for Santa Claus. Everyone's watching until the end to know that Santa Claus. You know that he comes at the end of the parade. Okay, well, I'm just going to tell you right now. If you ever, in Jewish culture, now we're talking about Zechariah, says that the king is going to come through those gates riding a donkey. Okay, so let me just tell you something you don't accidentally do in Jewish culture. You don't accidentally ride in the gates of Jerusalem on a donkey. Okay, it's something that if you do it, I mean, if you were doing it accidentally, and someone would be like, oh, dude, where are the gate? Get over the donkey. You're going to die. Okay, if you, if you roll up in there, they're going to think you mean that you're the king. And if you ain't the king, you're going to die. Get off the donkey. No, no, Jesus, can I tell you something real quick? Jesus knows what's happening. Jesus has been feeling the pressure of these people that hate him for years. He's been doing ministry on the outskirts of Jerusalem, not going directly to Jerusalem. Why? Do you ever notice in the Bible when Jesus healed people? Remember how he would tell them, don't tell anyone. Do you remember that? Why? It just, it says it. It says because he didn't want the word to get out yet. Why? Because it wasn't time. Now Jesus is coming to a point where he goes, this is unavoidable. Everybody's playing the game of thrones. Rome wants the throne. The chief priests want the throne. But it belongs to me. So he starts inching his way toward Jerusalem to make his big statement. So I'm going to give you five things that Jesus did in this passage of Scripture. To do, four things did in this passage of scripture to declare himself king by entering Jerusalem. Number one, so he's declaring himself king. He's saying he's taking his rightful heir to the throne. He's the rightful heir to the throne. Number one, Jesus declares himself king by entering Jerusalem, as I said, on a donkey. Okay, can you imagine? It, it says here that he comes, he comes to Jerusalem and he says to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied. Untie them and bring it to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs him and he'll send them right away. Can you imagine being the disciple that Jesus asks this to? Can you imagine that? You're on your way to Jerusalem. It's Passover week. They know that people are after him. They know what's going on. And Jesus is like, go get a donkey. He'd be like, <laughs> yeah, what did you just say? I said, go get a donkey. And if anybody tells you, asks you why you're taking it, tell them that the Lord needs it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I thought you said. Okay, okay. So, like, they're walking on the way there, like the two of them. And, uh, you know, they're probably quiet for a little bit. And one says to the other, did he just say get a donkey? They <laughs> go, yeah, I think that's what he said. And then they're looking at each other again. And like, do you think that he's going? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm telling y'all, this is some intense stuff. These guys know that they're his disciples. They know what it means. They know that the moment that he rolls through those gates on that donkey, Jesus is going to be saying to the whole world during the Super Bowl, during halftime of the Super Bowl, where all the cameras are on him, everyone's expecting him. He's got an entourage of thousands that are following him from Lazarus. The, 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 the chief priests are ticked off at him. Everything is at a boiling point in the city. Things are explosive. It's like, it's like a, 
I mean, it's, it's like someone has just like poured gasoline all over a fire and you've got like a match that's just real close to it. That's going to be the match that you drop on that thing. It's going to set everything ablaze. They know it. And what does he do? He rolls right in on a donkey. And not only does he do this, but the people start celebrating him saying, Hosanna, son of David. Start worshiping Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. How much was stirred? The whole city was stirred. That means there wasn't a person in the city that didn't know what was happening. The word on the street is that Jesus is saying that he's the Messiah. Did you hear? He rode in on a donkey. They're waving palm branches. The celebration has begun. you got people that are on both sides. That's why I asked you earlier, which one are you today? Are you the one that's celebrating and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Or are you standing there with your arms folded saying, I'm going to wait and see how this all plays out? So Jesus declared himself king by entering on a donkey. Number two, Jesus declared himself king by cleansing the temple. Now I'm going to show you by the time this message is done, it's only going to be a few more minutes, you're going to see that Jesus was doing everything and fulfilling all these things as king in a very Jewish way according to the Old Testament. Didn't you hear in the scripture that I read to you, it said that he rode in on a donkey to fulfill a prophecy from Zechariah. So this is Old Testament prophecy that the king would come in on a donkey. Everyone knew this. So that's fulfilled. Number two, he declares himself king by cleansing the temple. He enters the temple courts and drives out everyone who was... Okay, let me explain this real quick. At Passover, you, if you were a Jew, the reason you came from all these different cities... I mean, people came on pilgrimages from hundreds of miles away with their families that were true Jews because you had to go to the temple during Passover to make atonement for your sins. So you had to go uh, celebrate and buy, you know, an animal from the temple. They sold stuff outside the temple, to, and that animal had to pay the price and the consequence for your sin. So they've got money exchangers out there. You've got money that's from a different area, different culture. You're doing exchange rates. Jesus comes up to the temple, which, by the way, is under Roman occupation. You've got Roman guards that are all over the place. They're sitting in the temple, in the place where the priests are supposed to be. You've got the high priests that hate Jesus that are there, sitting with their arms folded, watching. Jesus walks right up to the holiest place, to the temple. By the way, the Romans have their dirty little fingers and all of the exchange rates. They're getting kickbacks on the side. The priests are getting kickbacks on the, on the side. They're taking advantage of really devout religious people who have a desire to get their hearts right with God. They're taking advantage of them. Jesus walks up right in the middle of all that stuff. And you know what he does? It says he enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the table of the money changers and the benches of those that were selling doves. The book of John tells us that he made a whip. He literally turns into Indiana Jones at the temple and starts... It says that he chased them out. Like literally, get out of here. Like he's, he is like running people off. He is so angry. What does he say? Listen, he says, it is written. Someone say, it is written. Have you ever noticed how many times Jesus says it is written? Jesus lives his, his life according to scripture. 
The authority that he uses, the things that he says is all according to scripture. That's why we need to live scriptural lives. Because we're, we're emulating Jesus. He says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Do you know what he's quoting there? He's quoting Isaiah 56 that says, their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my home will be called a house of prayer. Then he quotes Jeremiah 7, which says, has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? Interesting. Because he's saying, has this house which bears my name, Jeremiah is quoted by God. So in essence, what Jesus is doing by calling it my house is he's saying, I am what? I am God. He's running people off. So he's declaring himself the king of the Jews by driving off. And you know what is amazing too? All of the high priests are just watching. They didn't do anything. All of the Roman soldiers are just watching. They didn't do anything. They didn't lift a finger. Why? You want, you want the honest answer? They're scared. They're freaked out. Why? Because what happens after this? It kind of leads me to point number three, which is Jesus declares himself king by healing. The very next scripture after he dries out all the evil people from the temple. Isn't it awesome? When you get the wrong people out of the temple, look what happens. In verse 14 it says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So all this, this, this is why no one is lifting a finger. Can you imagine? You're a Roman guard that's at the temple every day. And you start to see, I mean you come there every day. You know everyone that shows up. You're like, there's Bill the beggar. We'll add another alliteration, Bill the Blind Beggar. And Bill the Blind Beggar shows up every day, and he's been asking for money. And, and I have only been here for two years at my post, but they tell me the story. He's been here for 40 years every day. He's never been able to see once in his life. And here's this dude over here, and he's, he can't walk. He's never been able to walk. He's crippled. And so you're, you're, you're sitting here every day watching, and you're, you're a Roman guard. You ain't got nothing to do with any of that stuff. All of a sudden, you see... This guy, you're like, is that the guy they were talking about, the Jesus guy that they said healed the dead guy? Yeah, that's him. Ooh, ooh, he's mad. Oh, he's turning things over. He's turn, What do we do? What do we do? Uh, all of a sudden, he walks up to Bill, and he lays hands on Bill, and Bill's going, the sky is blue. Hey, this is what you, he's like, oh, boy. Uh, and now all of a sudden, he, he lays hands on this guy over here that, that has never walked before. You're seeing this guy leaping around, dancing, praising God. Why won't you do anything? Because you're freaked out. You know this guy has got power. He has got authority. As a matter of fact, this documentary I was watching with my daughter, as we continue to watch it, all these scholars, it was so, it's so hilarious to me. These scholars are going, and Jesus would have been standing there in Passover week and overturning the money changers. It makes no sense why all of the high priests would have watched him and the Roman guards would have watched him and not killed him at that exact moment. Why? Why wouldn't they kill him at that moment? And they came up with this elaborate plot that Jesus had uh, a, a political figure that was protecting him and there was this conspiracy with the government that you know, Jesus had people that were financing his ministry that were the wives of Herod and, and that, that, that there was a word that went out, don't touch this guy. No, can I just tell you real quick? 
No one touched him because he had all authority in heaven and earth under his power. And they knew that they couldn't lift a finger against the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when Jesus heals the blind and the lame, he's doing the reason that he is declaring himself king is he is fulfilling Isaiah 35, which talks about the Messiah. It says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the lame will leap like a deer. You know what he's doing right here? Jesus is healing these people at the temple, which he has just cleansed. He's coming back to the place of God going, this place belongs to me. He's looking all these high priests right in the eye. He's going, hey, real quick, let me tell you something. I ain't no pretender. I'm not a false messiah like many of those that came before me and many that will come after me. And by the way, Romans, listen to me real quick. I'm not just a leader that's over a province or an area or a country. As a matter of fact, I'm not just a leader. I'm a king, and I've got authority over everything, every region, every sickness, every disease. And you're going to see in about a week's time, I even have authority over death itself. I mean, these guys are going, are you insinuating that you are backing yourself toward the throne? And Jesus is going, I ain't backing toward nothing. I've been sitting on it since the beginning of time. And finally, Jesus declares himself king. By receiving the praise of the children in the streets. It says, but when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did. They saw the wonderful things he did. They saw the healings. They saw the miracles. They saw the atmosphere of worship and praise in the streets to all the people that realized that Jesus was the Messiah. When they saw it, do you know what they did? I like that. I like that. I like that. Whoever that kid is, I like that little kid over there. I'm excited. It says, when they saw that the children were saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. And they came up to Jesus and they said, do you hear what these children are saying? And I know, okay, just real quick, before I tell you what Jesus' response was, I want to let you know something. I'm a screenwriter. I write movies. I'm a movie director. I love directing scenes. I love working with actors. I love when you give a script that's written properly to an actor. You give the actor the flexibility and the space to interpret that in a way that's going to work on screen. You're a bad director if you start meddling with an actor before they have a chance to give you an interpretation because many times it might be even better than what's written on the page if you just give them the space. Oh, but Jesus is the ultimate in this role. And if I, I, I wasn't there, I wasn't there. I can only read it. But I'm just telling you, I have a feeling this is the way that Jesus responded on this line. As we're reading it, I'm seeing it like a movie. And I can see what he said because he's been waiting a long time to give a response to this spirit that has been opposing him, trying to kill him for years. There were many times where they want, the Bible says when he read the prophecy after he came out of the, the wilderness and he opened up the Bible and read that passage from Isaiah and said they wanted to pick up stones and stone him or throw him off the edge of the cliff. But the Bible says he disappeared in their midst. For years he had been eluding them. He's been wanting to answer this question so bad. 
He goes, do you hear what these children are saying? What they're implying is, do you hear that they're calling you God? Do you hear that they're worshiping you directly? Here's the, here's the way. You ever heard that phrase, timing is everything? Here's the way I believe he answered. Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes. I believe they're just looking at each other. Like, what did he just say? Then what does he do? He goes back to the Bible again. And he goes, haven't you ever read? And he quotes Psalm chapter 8. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. So he's saying, I'm the Lord. They're praising me like they should. Now watch it and deal with it. Make your decision. You want to play the Game of Thrones. Got to be careful with that game. See, he's calling himself God. See, the thing that's hard about this is that this is 2,000 years ago and they were playing the Game of Thrones then. And here we are today playing that same game. But Jesus won't play. There's only one throne in your heart. And Jesus won't compete for it. You see, either Jesus is on the throne of your heart and you serve in his court or you are on the throne of your own heart and you demand that he serve in yours. He forced everyone that day to make a decision. Crown yourself or crown me. And that's the option that he gives us today. Crown yourself or crown me. See, Jesus showed up on a donkey. And I think many of us dismiss this story because of that. Because it looks weak. He chose it though. He chose it to, fill, to fulfill scripture. That he was God, but he was a God of peace. And he was offering you peace. The thing that is so baffling about that image is that a donkey is almost a parody of what we hope for and expect with a king. What do we want? We want a king that is strong. We want a king that comes in power. Jesus was coming in humility. He was offering a kingdom that nobody wanted. And can I tell you something? Not many of us want it today either. Because the kingdom that he offers us is not a kingdom that if you crown me today in your life, you will get everything that you ever wanted. He does not offer that. He doesn't offer a kingdom where if you crown him that you're going to be rich. 
tomorrow or next month or next year. He doesn't offer you a kingdom that if you crown me now, you'll be healed today or tomorrow or the next. That's not the idea. What he actually offers is something that people reject because he says, if you crown me, I'm going to show you the way to live in peace every single day. I'm going to show the way to live for you to live in fulfillment every single day. I'm going to show you what it's like that when a storm comes and I am with you, I might not take the storm away. I might not change the storm, but I'm going to change you. He was the king that nobody wanted, offering the kingdom that nobody wanted. They didn't want it then, and neither do we. We want somebody that fixes everything. just ask you something today on this Palm Sunday can I can I ask you please will you accept this humble king and what he offers you because what he offers you is so much more fulfilling than anything that you could get from the kind of king that you imagine but you have to accept the humble king that rode in on a donkey because can I encourage you in something? When he returns, which is soon, he ain't gonna be riding a donkey this time because the book of Revelation says in Revelation 19, I saw heaven standing open and before me there was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that nobody knows but he himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of god the armies of heaven are following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen white and clean coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of god almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and lord This is the Jesus that will return for us someday. And everyone who mocked him, choosing humility, choosing love, choosing grace, as this word says, they will burn with the wrath and fury of God. But for those who come like children, cut down palm branches and participate in the silly parade. Woo! We're the ones who are going to be riding on horses behind him when he comes in. We're going to be the army that gets to celebrate the king that everybody dreams about. Don't play the game of thrones. Play that game. If you crown the wrong king, 
you lose everything. But if you crown Jesus, you get it all. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking Give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.